Oh, yeah. It's time for another episode of Tripod. What? Wait, why are yeah. you talking like Jim, why are you talking like that? Why am I talking like this? Because yes. I'm cool and I'm smooth, like our next guest. <laughs> our next guest is Pierre Quinn, and he has that quiet storm voice. <laughs> Just like me. <laughs> Just like you, Jim. Just, Just like, like you. me. <laughs> and people will hear his voice right after this special message. Uh huh. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Let me just say hashtag Pierre did it better. <laughs> you are listening to Tribe Pod, a podcast series of interviews of interest to the HR community. It is hosted by Courtney Lane, produced by Jim Stroud, sponsored by Proactive Talent, and enjoyed by you. Today's episode begins right after this. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage, and what Practic Talent does for our clients is we help centralize so you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practic Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Welcome back to the Proactive Talent Tribe Pod. It is your favorite podcast host here. I'm just kidding. It's me, Brittany King, the People and Talent Manager for Proactive Talent and the resident hope dealer. I am incredibly excited about the guest that I'm having on today. I feel like I always say that, but I'm especially excited for those of you who are listening to us interested in talent management, leadership development. We have the guy. The guy is on the show with us. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Pierre Quinn. Pierre Quinn is a speaker, leadership coach, and consultant who focuses on helping others assess their strengths, understand organizational culture, and foster the relationships that lead to personal and professional transformation. As a gifted communicator and engaging storyteller, the most frequently asked questions he receives is, when can Pierre come back? 
For nearly a decade, Pierre taught college students the fundamental principles of communication, interpersonal relationships, team building, and leadership. His classroom experience granted him opportunities to train and inspire leaders across the country. Pierre is the author of Leading While Green, How Emerging Leaders Can Ripen Into Effective Leaders and Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. He is the CEO of the Cardell Group, LLC, a consulting firm which focuses on growing leaders and empowering teams of all sizes. Pierre holds graduate degrees in communication and theology from Andrews University and a certificate in executive leadership from Howard University. Welcome to the show, Pierre. Glad to be here with you. I am excited to kick off this conversation. And what I really would like you to do just for a moment is talk about kind of your origin story. How did you get to, to be where you are in this space of really helping leaders develop their talents and focusing on this work with emerging leaders as well? What's your story? Yeah. So how much time do we have again? You know, I feel like we could go into like movie mode and talk mm -hmm. for like six hours on the origin story. You know, I, I feel like in many ways I'm a champion for for young kids who are in a community or in a family where people tell them you're going to be great one day. You know, mm -hmm. so many talents, you have so many gifts, you have so much going for you. You're going to be great one day. But there's not a lot of direction or clarity or even mentoring or coaching toward what that aspect of greatness or effectiveness looks like. So I grew up inner city kid, church kid, always talking, always telling jokes, always, always making people laugh and just had a knack for fitting into different scenarios. I grew up an entrepreneur's kid. So our family owned a dry cleaners and a commercial laundry. And from the time really I could walk. I was helping out at the counter, being introduced to people, taking orders, answering the phone. So having a people facing position was really connected to to my livelihood and to, to growing up to my maturation process. And by the time I get to college, I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I don't know. I have no idea. I'm undeclared as I go into school. And it's really funny because you know, that push that you have to pick a major by the first or second week of school. Mm -hmm. no, you got to live. You got to breathe. Mm -hmm. Freshman orientation at our small, small schools, about 3,000, 3,500 people. Freshman orientation, the last day of freshman orientation, they're, they're saying, we're going to pick class officers. So, okay, but that's not something I'm interested in. So that got nothing to do with me. And my friends, my friends, Brittany on a dare said, hey, I dare you to run for president. I'm like, I don't want to run for president. That's that's so lame. I dare you to run for president. And, you know, ego thing comes into play. And I said, all right, cool, cool. I'll run for president it, because they said we're going to pick class officers based on speeches. So you need to write a short speech and introduce yourself to the freshman class. I said, this is the easiest assignment in the world. This is what I do. I wrote a short speech on a napkin, did some alliteration thing with Pierre. You know, if you vote Pierre for president, you'll have, you'll, I don't know, you'll, you'll have peace. You'll have prosperity. You'll something I said with peace. And I won fresh, I won freshman class president. I became mm -hmm. freshman class president. And I remember a, a, another freshman walked up to me. She was so angry. 
she said, it takes more than a great speech to be a leader. Mm. And I, and you know, at the time I'm a, I'm a freshman. I'm like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I won. A couple of weeks later, we have battle of the classes. And at our school battle of the classes is a series of team competition games. And the, the, the class that has the most points at the end of the night wins. Mm-hmm. Freshmen don't win battle of the classes. It just doesn't happen. My best friend and I had developed a communication system because we're in the, the campus gym and it's so much noise. We develop a communication system to give the instructions to several hundred freshmen who are playing the game with us. And I'm leading this charge. And at the end of the night, at the end of the night, the freshman class, we win, we hoist the trophy of battle of the classes. And that same freshman who was angry at me three weeks ago came to me at the end of battle of the classes. And she said, you have what it takes. Mm. Great leader. Mm. I saw that. And, and from that moment, I became receptive to the idea of what does it mean to be in a space for the first time on this journey of self-discovery and to make a difference. And the older I got, I said, I, wanna, I want to help people who are like me as a freshman. Mm-hmm. I want to help people who are like me the first day as a graduate student who stood in a classroom to teach freshman students. I want to be, I want to help people like me who are coming to the organization for the first time with talents and skills who have the capacity to lead, but need some direction and encouragement. So a big part of it was freshman class battle of the classes and a dare to do a speech for a class president. Talk about an origin story of all origin stories. It really sounds like to me, Pierre, you were on the fast track to this position of really helping leaders nurture the talents that they maybe either just innately had or really identifying, okay, perhaps you don't have this talent, but here's what you need to do, be and pursue in order to be successful in the work in the workplace, in the college classroom and networking events. And so it's interesting that as you were speaking, I was like the perfect title for something uh, like this, this podcast episode I'm doing with you just came to my mind around talent management and the emerging leader. Because often I think um, as individuals, we will put the burden on other people (laughs) to, you know, control our careers and really set the course, the trajectory of where we go when the onus is on us to make sure that we are in the places that we need to be. Either way, either way, I think there's value in being open to receiving feedback and in pursuing it. But I would love for you to talk just for a moment, specifically as it relates to organizations um, who are who are running a business, so yeah. companies running a business, we are seeing this shift in 2021 where it is a talent market. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's a buyer's market, it's a seller's market. No, 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 no. The talent is currently in control of the landscape as it relates to jobs and hiring. So when you think about leaders at organizations who are at the helm of making sure they have the right people in the right positions. Mm-hmm. What is kind of your approach and strategy to making sure those organizations understand this is what it really means to make sure you not only attract the right talent, but you manage it in a way that is going to be beneficial for your organization and those individuals. That was a really long question, but I'd love to hear your your feedback. So so I'll take a swing at a couple of those, a couple of those points. <laughs> There's a business cartoon that I reference fairly often. And the business cartoon has two, I guess they're executives and they're drinking coffee and they're looking out the window, presumably of their, of their office. And one says, you know, what if we train our people 
really well and they leave us. And the other person responds, what if we don't and they stay? And it's like the light bulb goes off. Mm -hmm. uh, a friend of mine, uh, Greg Offner on LinkedIn put up a post uh, not too long ago. He was talking about how organizations really need to create a dynamic where their people become poachable. Their, their, their talent becomes become as is at such a level that people literally want to steal your talent away from you. One of the one of the challenges that we have in organizational structure that we have in executive management that we have in leadership development is and I know you see this, Brittany, we reserve the cultivation of our talent to when people get to mid-level senior mm -hmm. executive roles. Mm -hmm. That's when you get the training. That's when you get the coaching. That's when you go on the retreats. That's that's when you get the feedback. And we're missing out on actually creating a talent pipeline, what some of the best organizations do. And what I encourage people to do in the trainings that, that I do for organizations is let's take your, let's take your top talent in the door. Let's take your emerging leaders in the door and let's set them up on a, on a success track. Let's teach mm -hmm. them about the culture of the organization. Let's teach them what's necessary for, for advancement and promotion. Let's teach them what an executive looks like in this environment. Because what happens is, and I was working with a nonprofit relative to this last year, we take frontline performers who do extremely well, who are mm -hmm. very good in a technical aspect, who crush their job in that regard, and they've done it for so many years. And then we take them and we make them project managers or senior administrators and senior directors. And the only thing they've been doing for the past several years is being technically proficient. Now they have to deal with people. And this is one of the greatest failures of our education system. We take all of these individuals and we teach you how to be smart as individuals. It's your grades. It's your internship. It's your recommendation letter. It's your profile. It's your experience. It's your diploma. And then we put you in a company and we say, yeah, you just spent the last four, eight, 10 years working independently. Now we need you to play in the sandbox with all of these other smart people and a lot of organizations falter because there's not there hasn't been any development in that regard. And when I work with organizations, I look to work with organizations who are keen on not just attracting top talent, but developing that talent as soon as they hit the door so that when vacancies happen in your organization, because they are coming, life happens. We're not scrambling all over Al Gore's Internet to find somebody to fill a position, we've created a pipeline for this because we've we've started empowering, equipping, and developing our next generation, our next project, our next executives as soon as they hit the door. So I want to unpack that a bit because I think you dropped so so much knowledge there and you shared so many gems that are going to be beneficial for companies, but also for those who are individuals and they're saying, I have been forced into this role, or perhaps they're saying I'm stuck here because I operate in excellence here. This is my zone of genius, <laughs> but I want to explore other things. Uh, the first thing I would ask you is what are some of the identifiers you see? What are some of the ways you identify an organization that is, as you put it, keen on developing talent the moment they walk in the door? How do you make that call? <laughs> 
Well, a big thing for me is when I'm talking with executives, when I'm talking with program directors or even individuals that want to bring me in for or to do some work with them, I ask them, give me a list of names of people who you've, who you've had your eye on, but you haven't necessarily developed a process around developing them yet. Mm-hmm. And the organizations that can, can give you all three, we got three, four people over here. We've noticed the work of these individuals over here. We have some good things happening in this, in this area as it relates to these individuals that, you know, have only been with the team a short, a short time. That tells me the we create, we're creating a culture of awareness, mm-hmm. a culture of record, looking for, we're creating internal talent scouts because we're saying when we see something good happen, we're going to say something. Mm-hmm. When I talk with an individual and usually this doesn't work out as it relates to work for me, if I'm talking with a decision maker and they don't have any names, that's usually an indicator that we're not going to do any work together. Because I'm not trying to come into your organization and convince you of the value of developing your emerging leaders and your emerging talent. Mm -hmm. I'm partnering with you on a decision that you've already made. Mm. So if you bring your observations to the table of this is a gap for us because we have some great individuals here. We have some great people resources here. We just need to develop a strategy around equipping them in a deeper way. We can work together. But if I if you're bringing me on to convince you of why this is a good idea, we're not going to do any work together. We know here in the in the TA industry as a recruiting and employer brand consulting firm that referrals are often the most qualified prospect candidate leads we get, I would say prospects. Mm-hmm. They are people who already have an appetite, some level of buy-in to the organization because they've heard about it from you know, a friend, a family member, or something like that. This idea that you presented around being internal talent scouts, yeah. I think it's I think it's something that we often miss because so many people are focused on this is my role, this is my responsibility. And I've seen very many referral programs fail because we're like, that's that's the recruiting function. That is their job. That's what they need to do. How do you create a culture where every single individual looks at themselves, looks at themselves like a talent scout, whether or not there's a referral bonus, but it's just such an amazing place to be that this is this is something that I want to essentially share with the world. How do you think organizations can go about creating a culture that gives people that title and that responsibility as soon as they walk in. You know, something that that transfers and translate translates very well in organizations is gossip. Gossip travels well. <laughs> travels fast. Travels at the speed of speed of light. I mean, you know, growing up before social media was a thing, mm-hmm. a part of places and spaces where the 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 talk is around the city before before noon of something that has transpired. Organizations can leverage the same idea by elevating the things that are important. And here's what I mean by that. The things that we celebrate and the things that we tolerate, mm-hmm. that's a key component of our organizational culture. So one of the things that we can celebrate and practice and especially from the top down, is when I see individuals doing excellent work, I create the mechanism to celebrate what they're doing. 
And it doesn't have to be this huge thing. It could be as simple as, you know, from an in-person context, here's a stack of, of company branded note cards. And these note cards are not for you. They're for your colleagues. Whenever you see your colleague doing something exceptional, doing something world-class, doing something just best practices, write a note. Hey, Brittany, I, I, I was overhearing as you handled that difficult client. Mm. And you did it with just such grace and clarity. And I really appreciate what you're doing. Just wanted to give you a shout out. Have a great day. Here's a note. What happens is that creates the culture of, wait a minute, we shout out people for doing a great job. And it's and and this is just what we do here. And everybody's got a stack of notes. And 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 when we have sharing time or when we have our company meeting, instead of asking for what's what's the gossip, I'm asking you, hey, Brittany, when did you see one of your colleagues just crushing it or doing world class? And you're thinking back to I wrote four notes last week. Let me just mm-hmm. tell you about the notes that I wrote. I wrote a note for Brittany. I wrote a note for Jim. I wrote a note for Greg. I wrote a note for Chris. I wrote a note for Deborah. They were just doing great work. And what happens is that begins to spread and it becomes something where, and people might not have even be noticing it. You're not just affirming your colleagues, you're keeping your eye out for when people are operating at a high level. So now when conversations come around, hey, we have an opening. Hey, we have an opportunity. Hey, there's a need here. Who can we go to? Now your organization has top of mind stories of individuals that can be re- recommended internally from the culture that you've created. So I think what I hear you say is that it's not necessarily about telling people we should all be internal talent scouts here. This is our responsibility. We're putting it in our handbook. This is part of your orientation, but really creating a solid culture where people will in turn want to do that by design. Is that what I hear you saying? Yeah, because that's what we celebrate and what we tolerate. You know, you know this, I know you, you, you work with organizations. Mm-hmm. You can put whatever you want to in the handbook. You can put whatever you want to on the website. You can say whatever you want to in job orientation, but if it's not celebrated and we don't bring attention to it and it's not something that we, we invite and embrace, it's just something that's on the shelf or in a PDF. So part mm. of creating the culture, especially from the top down, is I can't just talk about it. I can't just send you an email about it. I need to see my influencers in my organization. And many times it, this is comprised of our senior leadership, but not always. I need to see the influencers in my organization setting the example because that in many cases is the culture. That's excellent. That's excellent. I want to step back for a second. You said something that I very much believe should be a hashtag. I'm going to give you this, Pierre. Do with it. Do with it what you will. Hashtag people as poachable. That is such an incredible philosophy, such an incredible organizational uh, perspective and lens to look at your workforce. I believe that the organizations who do uh, leadership management, talent management, training, all of those things well, understand that fundamentally. Our people should be the best in class in this industry so that they are targeted and so that they are, uh, people want who we have because we know we have the best in class. So one of the people I I think about, one of the organizations I think about, I'm not gonna say the name, but if you ever go out to eat, I'm in Texas, (laughs) at a fast food restaurant, there is a certain organization 
where every single worker will say, it's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that simple phrase set them apart. When I think about hiring interns for the summer or anything as it relates to my own entrepreneurial endeavors, I'm like, I'm going to go take someone from this organization because I know they have a commitment to customer service and excellence. Yeah. So what I want to ask you, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on is this idea of people being poachable, Mm -hmm. people as poachable. What do you say to the leader who's listening or the, the leadership team who's listening and they're saying, But if I make them poachable, like you said, with the cartoon strip, they will have more options. My bottom line will be affected, perhaps negatively impacted. What do you say to that person that really needs to have a paradigm shift on this topic as to why it's valuable for them? I I think some self-leadership is necessary in this regard, because if your frame of reference is only about you, you are putting your your leadership position in jeopardy. We recognize that the in, the individuals, the leaders that make the most uh, make the most changes in the world, that have the greatest impact on their organizations, really move themselves out of the way. If I am committed to the development of my people, regardless of what that looks like, then that sometimes means that the development of my people has to continue outside of my organization. I was having a conversation with a university president a few few months ago on my podcast, and she was talking about what happened to to her. And she was was climbing the academic ranks. And the president of the university said to her, you know, there's another level here for you. But we've taught you all that we could teach you. And we're going to help you look for an opportunity somewhere else that will maximize your potential. Wow. This organization had no shortage of people wanting to work for it because this is how the leader, this is how they navigated themselves. And if you're thinking, if my people become poachable and they'll take opportunities elsewhere, what's going to happen to my bottom line? The amount of money that we have to deal with as a result to, to training. And we know when you hire bad, the impact on that of the organization is is devastating. And when there's people turnover, there's some devastating aspects of that uh, as well. But in some ways, you're creating a, a dynamic where more people are willing to stay. We know this, the research tells us, the, the HR research tells us that an employee asking for a raise is usually a sign that they're already thinking about going elsewhere. And that people who feel like they've been developed, they've been affirmed, they've been respected and given more opportunities internally, stick with organizations longer than just seeking a monetary benefit. So if the culture knows that I'm going to be developed, I'm going to be encouraged, I'm going to be given opportunities here, I can speak the truth to power here, I can bring my concerns and they'll be addressed here you'll find more people actually willing to stay because that 10K that they could get somewhere else, sometimes they're only getting going to those places because you haven't done that work in retaining them and creating that culture. So pouring into the people are the, it's the best thing that you can do for your organization. 
and it actually begins to increase your bottom line. We know this companies, I won't mention a company, you didn't mention one, I won't mention the other one, but there's one company that it's a, it's a warehouse shopping paradigm of sorts. And in this organization, their, their position is, we treat our employees ridiculously well, because if we treat our employees ridiculously well, they will treat our customers ridiculously well. And our revenue will always be up. And this company, their revenue is always up. And it it really uh, speaks to me. And I think what you've really highlighted throughout our whole conversation here is that understanding the value add of talent you already had, your existing talent, making them people who are coachable really directly affects not only your bottom line, but as a subset of that, or, or uh, as it relates to that, it also affects your talent supply, your talent pipeline. Because you treat people well, as you mentioned, gossip spreads like wildfire. So people can, it's, this can um, essentially result in people beating down your door, your quote door, to become a part of your organization because of your commitment to your people. That is such an incredible phenomenon, I think, especially in today's climate, Pierre, that some leaders miss with the focus on the bottom line, um, you know, and they don't have any regard for their people because everything is about money. So thank you so much for sharing that. It was so, 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 so very helpful. You know, especially in the culture that we're in right now and the things that have transpired in our world over the last uh, two years or so, you know, it's been some work that I've been doing with organizations around emotional, social culture. And, and, one of the hard, difficult parts about about the area of work that I do is hearing the stories of what people are going through and recognizing that sometimes when I show up in an organization, I've heard people say, you know, this is the first time that our team or our group has gotten together and actually talked through the emotional, social constraints that we're having. We went from an in-person to a virtual team. I've been onboarded in the organization and I've I've not met my team face to face or we haven't had a group call to to talk about where everyone is or we haven't had a time to just say, hey, I'm a little bit overwhelmed because I got a dog in the background and, you know, a sick parent upstairs and a kid that's doing virtual school and I just need to say that sometimes I'm I'm not at my best and I, I need a little bit of help. And many organizations say, many leaders say, I'm so grateful because now this is the time where I actually can be a human. And I want to mm. challenge my leaders who are who are listening to this, who are out there. Listen, your your organization performs a service. Yes, it it produces a product. I get it. It's about making money. You're in business to make money. But if you forget about the people, the actual lives that make up your organization, you will destroy your organization. Mm. Eventually you will go out of business or even if you don't go out of business, there'll be such a blight on what you do that it will tear down your ability to expand. And especially when people have just joined the organization, fresh out of college, fresh out of internship, they don't know the nuances of the professional world yet. They, they don't know even how to put up with things like more senior leaders do. These people need that check-in. They need that phone call. They need that, hey, how you're doing. They need that 
How can I support you? They need that connection. What it will do, it will endear them. It will endear them to the company over the long haul. And also it will create a scenario where they will recognize, oh, this is what a great leader is supposed to do. And they will model that in their professional career going forward. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Such excellent advice and insight into the the field of leadership, into the field of leading an organization and really being a catalyst for change. CEOs having the opportunity, whether it's departmental leaders, employees themselves really having the opportunity to be a force for positive change in their organization. It has been an absolute honor, Pierre. I am gonna have to go back and listen to this one over and over again, I can already tell. Before I let you go, I would like to ask for those leaders who are listening, who would like to get in touch with you and say, hey, Pierre, we need your expertise. We, we need your help. We want to interview you on our podcast. What is the best way for they for them to reach you online? Yeah. So, wow, time went by already. Wow. <laughs> wow. The best place to hang out if you want to continue this conversation, if you're a leader and you're, you're, you're thinking much of what you said, Pierre, re- really resonated with me. And I'd love to continue the conversation in some capacity. The best place to reach me right now is actually LinkedIn. It is the digital playground where I hang out the most. If you go to LinkedIn and type in my name, Pierre Quinn, you will see me there and I'd love to get connected. Go ahead and send me a connection request and let's hang out. The second best place to connect with me is actually on my website. That's PierreCQuinn.com. That's PierreCQuinn.com. And if you're not a LinkedIn person and if you have trouble scrolling on websites because you get distracted, go ahead and send me an email. And that's Pierre at PierreCQuinn.com. That's Pierre at PierreCQuinn.com. It was excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. Woo, you know what? Um, I think we just had a conversation, or rather you had a conversation with a future president of the United States. What do you think? I am 100% certain. And I feel like, I feel like his platform, somewhere (laughs) in his platform, he needs to include the hashtag I gave him. Here, if you're listening, I want my, I want my part of it. People as coachable. I may not lend itself well to the presidency, but you got to listen and see why that's so dope. Yeah, he did a good. He did a real. I really enjoyed that that conversation. I think uh, he would do better than some presidents we've had in the past. <laughs> For sure. And I think that um, uh, I think he also would do well with that quiet storm voice. The quiet storm. Quiet storm. You to take the country back and uh, take us to some new places. <laughs> Elevate the mind. I love it. <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, we've had yeah. some big storms uh, politically, yeah. so we could use a quiet storm. That's right. That's right. I see people <laughs> lining up to vote already. I'm curious to know what some of our listeners think about the interview. Uh, if you would, please drop us an email. You can reach us. Uh, as always, by Tripod, T-R-I-B-E-P-O-D, at ProactiveTalent.com. Operators are standing by. And if you have a wish list of a political platform for Pierre Plan, feel free to send that as well. <laughs> Brittany, do you have uh, any final any final comments? I don't. He has left me speechless. Yes. I- I'm thinking we should probably add some music like, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs>
da 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 da